Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Yes, it is, and welcome back. 602-508-0960 is our number if you'd like to join the conversation. And bam, just remembered what you told me, Bill, on the uh, in the last hour. I remember what the connection was between Dagny, her eyesight, and treats. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get to it at a certain point. We'll see how interested the listeners are. But uh, 602-508-0960, a lot we're covering here. Boy, did that Eric Adams turn out to be a disappointment. Do you remember how many people, gosh, so many in the conservative, uh, what do we call it, the conservative Stockholm Syndrome crowd, so many people were saying, well, this guy could be good, refreshing, and different. He is a former cop, after all. Former cop doesn't um, doesn't trump leftist. It doesn't trump leftist. And um, and and that that is how he is governing. He's governing by absence. He's not leaving his apartment He's contradicting his newly inaugurated commissioner of police on whether this is a terrorist incident or isn't. Um, I don't think anyone can say anything about whether it is or isn't. The chief of police denied saying it was. He's saying it could be. We don't have the guy. We don't know. We don't know. And when the mayor's contradicting the um, the chief of police, the the police commissioner, I mean, you just you, you are not in the grips of a well-run city. You are not in the grips of a well-run city. There's just another pattern here that reminds me an awful lot of the early 90s. A lot of people are saying this pattern looks like the late 70s under Jimmy Carter. It looks to me a little bit more, I think, like the early 90s when Giuliani was elected mayor of New York City. And then, of course, the following year when the Gingrich Revolution took over Congress in 1994 for the first time to Republicans in, what, 50 years? And that's when the economy started ending, uh, started to um, get out of its slump. Anyway, I think there are, the analogs to the early 90s are much more prescient. There is one big difference, one big difference. You had a president then in Bill Clinton who knew that political success was attached to American success. You don't have a president that believes that right now, nor a staff around him that thinks that right now. I think what they have done is thrown in the towel and understanding they're going to get blown away in November. And let's just double down on doing what Barack Obama didn't do. They took the wrong lesson from Barack Obama, but this is the lesson I think they took get through as much left-wing socialist stuff as we can while we can because this is our one shot to do it. And then it'll be up to Republicans to undo it and then put forward their own plans, their own policies. And that's the big question. Will the Republicans we elect be strong enough to do all that? I think that's the thing on the minds of most voters right now. While we're going into the primary season, what kind of a Republican will I be voting for? And that's the question I want 
you to have at the top of your mind. We've talked before about the Buckley rule, and I think we've had some pushback on it. But find the most conservative candidate that can win. I think that's still a pretty darn good rule. Find the most conservative candidate that can win and do everything you can to get him or her in office. Are you watching any of this pushback against Donald Trump in the Pennsylvania Senate race against Dr. Oz? That's an interesting one. Evidently, uh, Donald Trump has... Not evidently. Donald Trump has endorsed uh, Dr. Mehmet Oz for the Senate against other conservative candidates he had uh, once before supported, uh, once before endorsed. And now all the stuff is coming out about Dr. Oz maybe not being so conservative after all, or if he's conservative, it's very, very, very recent. Stuff he was saying about COVID, stuff he was saying about immigration, stuff he was saying that you wouldn't think necessarily deserves a conservative's endorsement and support. This whole endorsement thing, Donald Trump is getting fishier and fishier, though. I'm picking up more and more stories that it, you know, the record isn't so good. Some of the races he's involving himself in seem to be awfully far down ballot. And there's another question, uncomfortable though it is to raise, but there it is, that it kind of depends on how much money you're willing to send into his organizations. Not really where we want to be when it comes to endorsements. And it raises another question I have as well, and I'm curious about what the audience says about it, has to say about it. How much does it matter that someone endorsed a candidate? How much does it matter? Let's put it directly to you. How much does it matter that Donald Trump endorsed a candidate? How much does that matter to your vote? I'd be curious to know. In any event, Lisa's in Phoenix and has been patient. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Good. Thank you, Seth, for taking my call. You bet. Hey, um, I was at the gas station and I followed somebody and I looked at how much they put in the gas tank and it was $1. People are having to do so that now. I, I understand the thinking. I really do. People are having to... Th so people are saying to themselves... You know, if I can just, you know, if I can get what, what, if I can get just a little gas in my tank, maybe prices will go down next time I need gas. I think that's why people are filling their tanks half up, quarter up, a third up. They're thinking, well, maybe next week it'll be better, or maybe tomorrow it will be better. I think that's what they're so that's thinking. That's one thing. Yeah. So that's that's one thing. The next thing, President, this really bothers me. President Trump, uh, President Biden said. Three different times that I heard there will be food shortages. So I want everybody who has dogs or cats to think about this, because if there's shortages for us as humans, what's going to happen to my puppies? Well, you know, uh, this, this is not a, this is this is this is not a low-level concern at all, Lisa. And it, it it's just not that long ago when. You cat and dog food or other animal food shortages were an issue, as was toilet paper, as was paper towel. It's easy, to, evidently, as we learned, I didn't think it would be as easy as it was, but it is easy, as we learned, to put the American people in a panic. You know, we grew up reading about, most of us grew up reading about uh, the run on the banks in the Great Depression. Who knew there would be a run on Costco's? Who knew there would be a run at Safeway and Fry's? Like there were in 
like there were runs in, in Venezuela. Who knew that for, what, two, three months, we acted, we would act like Venezuela and think nothing of it. Think nothing of it. We thought nothing of it. It was all very fine and very normal that we were doing so. Yeah, we scratched our heads a little bit, and yeah, we complained about it a little bit, but was there any accountability over this? Was there any addressing the problem for the future about any of this? And when it comes to cat and dog food shortages and other food shortages for humans, Lisa, or the expense of them all going up, I want you to think about something. Think about the president's speech today. Think about the speech today. This is because of Putin. And he spent a fair amount of time talking about Russia's connection to food price increases. Well, again, I refer you to the Wall Street Journal to look at when all of this started to happen. And I also want you to look at who and what the people who actually are in this business and in this trade are saying about the food prices and the food shortages. The National Grocers Association, you'd think they'd have some insight on this, say that this issue began during the pandemic. And some of those reasons include still, believe it or not, labor shortages and lack of truck drivers. It's just we've allowed it to go on and on. The products most threatened by the Russia-Ukraine conflict are wheat and fertilizer. But the FDA itself, Joe Biden's own Food and Drug Administration, says they don't expect a food shortage here because the U.S. is a major producer of those same items, of those same items. So... So so what you have is a president who is not about to solve this because he doesn't want us to understand and perhaps himself doesn't want to admit or understand what the cause is. It's a big issue of me, mine in public policy. One other thing, if I may say, if it's affordable enough for you, when it comes to animal food, feeding your pets, I really think, I really think it really matters that you buy in America. I really do, for a whole host of reasons. I would say that about everything. I know it's not possible on everything. I know it may not be possible on pet food in certain cases, but if you can, that's my advice. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. By the way... Uh, you may have heard some of the ads or even me talking about it. Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. This year, Tuesday, May 3rd. Why did I do 2020? Why did I say that? I, don't, I have the year emblazoned on my head for some reason today. But anyway, Tuesday, May 3rd, we're bringing in the great Larry Elder to town. We're doing a deliberately small event with him. Uh, we're limiting or capping the uh, attendance um, to a private home, 75 people, to maximize interaction with Larry. Um, sometimes we get, uh, you know, feedback that we don't get enough questions in for people we bring. Uh, sometimes they say they would have liked to have spent more time. This is uh, an event for exactly that. Larry Elder, um, who I, for my money, I, I just, I think the world of Larry. I think so highly of him. I think his insights and everything he does, his articulate abilities, his abilities to articulate the conservative message debate. Anyway, I'm looking very much forward to it and hope to see you there. As you can imagine, these things are 
going fast. It's going to sell out soon. But you can get more information at 960thepatriot.com, 960thepatriot.com for our intimate evening with Larry Elder. That's what we're calling it, an intimate evening with Larry Elder. Um, I, do you remember, it was about, oh, probably about six months ago or so, there was a kidnapping story that was kind of traveling across the country. The story was kind of a focus of a lot of media attention. And uh, it was a, um, it was a, it was a, it was a young white, white college student, female, who was missing. And I, I got a call from a listener saying, um, you know, there's one thing I will say, the listener said, I'm paraphrasing, he said, the one thing I will say is it is interesting how much the national media will focus its attention on a white victim when it's a young girl and a kidnapping. And it just doesn't seem to do the same with other stories where the victim's are black. And I said, I'll confess my own guilt on this. I don't follow a lot of these stories, quite frankly. I just don't, unless it's a major story locally or the national uh, press is focusing on it. Are there examples you could bring up? And this caller, you know, had the receipts with him. And he said, yeah. He, he, and, he, and he pointed out to two or three stories that just didn't get that attention. And I think it's a valid point. I think it's a valid point. As I think, so too should be the killings that are going on in Oakland and the killings that are going on in Chicago and the routine shootings that take place in all of our major cities where homicide, where violent crime is up, including homicides. Tucson. Tucson made the list. Tucson made the list of top 11 cities where violent crime has gone through the roof, has increased and spiked. Can you imagine how much safer of a country we would be? Maybe even also how much more civilized a country we would be if the attention we're putting on New York City right now, where, yeah, shooting took place and many people were wounded and it's tragic and it's awful and I hope they get a full and complete recovery, but no deaths, no deaths. Can you imagine how much better of a country we would be if we could put the quarter of amount of attention that we're putting on New York as we are on the 27 people who were shot and six people who were killed in Chicago this past weekend. By the way, we do that. We wouldn't have those kinds of calls from those listeners because this is almost exclusively black on black crime, as tragically as that sounds to say, but the truth is the truth. Or if we spoke about and put that kind of attention on Oakland where five people were shot within seven hours this weekend and a 15-year-old girl was killed. If the media would do that, I, I think I'm right about what I said in my monologue, that when something happens in New York City, it becomes so much more the national story than everything else because of not only New York City being the major media hub, but this this almost arrogant attitude that you get that what happens in New York City matters much more than what happens anywhere else, whether it's Waukesha or whether it's Chicago or whether it's Oakland or whether it's Tucson. 
There is this arrogance, which is why I was quoting Dennis Prager about COVID. You know, if it started in North Carolina rather than New York, well, actually, I think patient zero was in Washington state, but pretty quickly New York became the hub. If it wasn't New York, but North Carolina, do you think the attention would have been the same? Do you think New York would have shut down for North Carolina the way North Carolina and every other state was forced to shut down because of New York? No, of course not. Of course not. It wouldn't have happened. And 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 I and I just I worry about the crisis we're watching right now as it's being covered in New York City, the crime crisis, because the major media are wanting to do what has happened with these stories in these other cities. When the New York commissioner of police, when the New York uh, police commissioner, the new one, comes out at a press conference and a tweet that says the suspect is a black male wearing a green construction vest and a gray hooded sweatshirt. And the Washington Post and the New York Times tell you the suspect is wearing a green construction vest and a gray hooded sweatshirt and leaves out the race. I wonder if we're ever going to get to a point where we can be honest about this stuff and actually give the attention due to the crime that's being committed that is lacerating these communities that we are supposed to rightfully care about. We become numb and ignore this stuff precisely because the media doesn't want to cover the one thing that, you know, a fling suspect can't change. Think about that. Think about how irresponsible it is for the major news media, the AP, the New York Times, and the Washington Post to leave out the subject's race, but tell you what he was wearing. The one thing the suspect can't change is the one thing they won't tell you about. But you bet a green construction vest and a gray hooded sweatshirt can be changed in a trice, making it all the more difficult to find the person if that's in fact what this person may or may not have done, may have done in changing his clothes. It's interesting what race will be used for in the minds, in the mouths, and in the writings of the left. It'll be used for all kinds of things that have nothing to do with anything and don't really matter. But when it matters, and it really does matter, they go silent. They go silent. I don't know if they're cowards. I don't know if they're part of the creation of a false narrative. But I will tell you this. If you believe that all lives matter, including black lives matter, and if you believe that black lives matter, then you better believe they matter in Chicago and Oakland and Philadelphia, too. And not caring about the race of the victim or the assailant, if it's inconvenient for the liberal and elite cultural narrative, is not going to do anything to keep those lives safer or mattering more. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by the Midas Gold Group. First, we were told that spending trillions of dollars on COVID relief and blue state bailouts would not generate inflation. Then we were told that inflation would be transitory. One company got it right from the beginning, my personal precious metals dealer, veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. 
As feckless Washington politicians push the largest budget in American history and the Fed continues to pump money into the system, what happens next? What will China do with their U.S. Treasury holdings as the value is whipped away amid the Biden inflation? Midas Gold Group will give you the latest inflation projections. And by the way, ask them, too, for their free guide to owning physical gold for your IRA. Give the Midas Gold Group a call at 480-360-3000. Don't deal with questionable gold salesmen and avoid those mail-order nightmares. Deal with the knowledgeable and reputable company Seb Gorka and I do business with. That's the Midas Gold Group. You can visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Com. Mike's in Scottsdale. Hello, Mike. Hi, Seth. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. I, I had um, to call in because of, of what you were just reporting. Um, whenever, I guess it's kind of a, a little bit of a pet peeve of mine, uh, whenever the conservative news uh, uh, talks about the, the mainstream news leaving out uh, that that a person is black, or or not even reporting on the fact that just because they're black, they just leave it out of the report. You know, they don't yeah. even report on it. Yeah. Um, that uh, we always make mention of it, but what we don't say, and I think we should start saying every single time, because the more we say this, the more it will start changing people's minds. Is is to point out the fact that that by doing by leaving out the story or by not mentioning the race, that particular news media is being racist and actually call them racist because what they're doing is they're using the color of someone's skin to make a decision, and that's the definition of racism, right? It's partially one. It could be one, Mike. I see where you're going with this. I think this is part of a larger problem. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's the obsession on the other side of that coin. Um, It's the obsession. uh, Shelby Steele, the great scholar and and, uh, English professor, Shelby Steele, in his uh, first major book, at least that I knew of, the one that I read when it first came out, The Content of Our Character, he he talks – he gets into this a little bit. But we saw this in sharp relief during the presidential campaign – when Kamala Harris was touted as such a hero or heroine, depending on how you prefer it, um, for young black girls and how her candidacy and her election, uh, you know, would prove to young black girls that, you know, obviously the sky's the limit um, and that she was going to be their role model. Um, Young black girls would now have a role model in Kamala Harris. And, that's fine as far as it goes, but when you attach race as responsible, or in that ma- or for that matter, I guess you could do gender too, but when you attribute these, what I keep calling immutable characteristics, that's what the Supreme Court calls them, race, gender, unchangeable characteristics, mm-hmm. things that, you know, you are because of dint of birth or God or accident or nature or whatever you want to call it, things you can't do anything about and you aren't responsible for one way or the other, uh, when, when you tie immutable characteristics to success, what happens when that person fails? What happens when that person doesn't get the job done well or, in fact, is miserable at it, as Kamala Harris I'll, is proving to be? I'll, there is I'll nothing she touches that. that she doesn't make worse and mockable. 
No. Is the race still there? Have we created what Shelby Steele calls the permanent stigma of questionable competence? Permanent stigma of questionable competence. That's what Shelby Steele warned about. Unfortunately, what happens is... That's what happens when you attach race to success. It's there, and the person fails. You are. Cre- I, I, I fear it instantiates more negative thoughts and racism about potentially doing this for someone who actually deserves it in the future. That's what I worry yep. about. But I don't think I don't think people hear it as racism because the the press will make excuses for uh, Kamala, and they'll 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 actually spin something to make it sound like oh it wasn't so bad. And and I I and, and then but what what they don't do is uh, our side does not does not uh, okay so um, uh, uh, Martin Luther King his his speech that he gave the I, I, you, you, I got to take a quick break Mike and it sounds like you're on, at the precipice of an important point so I'm going to ask if you'd hold yep. over and I'll pick you up on the other side if you don't mind holding I'm Seth we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. We were talking to uh, Mike in Scottsdale. Mike, you were uh, making a point about the media and race, and I think you were about to invoke something regarding Martin Luther King. Yes, thank you for holding me over. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, Martin Luther King, he, he had a, a, his famous speech was, I have a dream speech. Mm-hmm. And we always... We always quote that. Everybody always quotes it, but that's all they say. They no say, one, not everybody, always quotes it anymore, Michael. You're talking no, about don't. 20 years ago. It's not quotable in the left and in liberal circles anymore. We are told. Abraham Kendi tells us. Robin DeAngelo tells us. The new woke sentiment tells us that to say you are colorblind is to utter a racist statement because it denies someone's race. No, yeah, but that's not what I was going to say. The, I'm, I'm just I mean, saying we don't all side. say it anymore. Only conservatives say it now. Well, no, I'm talking about conservatives. Conservatives, okay. all they say is, yeah, he ha- he said, I have a dream. And then they stop right there. And what, what we as conservatives, I mean, people who have a, a you know, a, a, a platform like, like you and radio stations, TV stations, whatever, they should, they should continue it, the rest of it, and, it, and say that my kids will be seen not for the color of their skin, but for the content of their character. They, they need to complete that whole sentence. And then I can... Mike, uh, do you think that's not what we say? You think we quote the dream and not the content of the character, not the color of the skin point? I can prove it. Okay. I, I, uh, if, if you look at... Um, uh, for instance, if you look at um, 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 uh, Seth uh, Gorka's intro yeah. for, his, for his show, yeah. it's a wonderful intro. Mm-hmm. Every single person that they quote on there you can tell exactly what that person means to everything else. There's a little bit in there about Martin Luther King. He says, I have a dream. Yep. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. And he should have, they should have left the rest of that quote in there. And I'll tell you why. Uh, because, um, uh, for instance, I'll give you another for instance, the new Supreme Court pick. Uh, and, and I'm talking about conservatives. They said that Joe Biden was being a racist by choosing a black woman only, because that's what he said. I'm only going to choose a black woman. And what they should have said is 
he's being racist because of this. And the reason he's racist is because he's using her color, the color of her skin, not the content of her character, but the color of her skin, to make a choice to put her in a position to be a leader. And to me, that that's the definition of racism. Can so I give you another definition it, of racism, the one I took from that, the one I've been using? Sure. I think I brought it up in every monologue, and you tell me if you think this is equally worse or better. I think it's okay. a bigger mark of racism that what he said in saying he was choosing a black uh, a black woman uh, 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 for the Supreme Court. When he said that, he was saying, I will not be choosing a Hispanic person. I will not be choosing a Jewish person. I will not be choosing a man. I will not be choosing a Hispanic man or a Jewish man or a Jewish woman or a Hispanic woman. I mean, or an Indian or a Native American. I mean, he was excluding entire categories of human beings and Americans. And I think that was the far more racist implication, which points to the racism of using race as the qualifying criteria in the first place. This came out, you know, big time in the, you know, for the first time in in, in court history in in the in, in 1977 with the Baki case. But you you probably are familiar with that. There used to be a word for that. It was reverse racism. But the point was made by Thurgood Marshall when he argued in the um, in the uh, when he was the chief counsel for the NAACP and Brown versus Board of Education when he said in his brief to the Supreme Court that if racism against if excuse me if intolerance against one race is indeed intolerable advantage giving an advantage to another race inherently leaves other races left behind now in those days he was talking about how they were doing it for whites against blacks but the principle abides the principle abides if race if getting rid of racism is your goal if getting rid of racism is your goal get rid of racism Get rid of the racial criteria that deny people advantages, privileges, jobs, success on the merits of their effort and work instead of their race. Get rid of the racial criteria that advances people, period. That's how you get rid of racism. You want to instantiate more racism in this society? You want to create more race wars in this society? Pit races against each other. Say because I'm advantaging that person, I'm not going to advantage that person, and it's based on their race or their gender. That's what you do. You pit American against American. And you do something else that no one wants to talk about. You do something else. And it's as true of Kamala Harris as I think it is true of Ketanji Brown Jackson. You tell the American people, Soto Voce, that we're all kind of doing this with a wink and a nod, knowing that that person wouldn't be there but for the fact of their race. You are sending that message, and you are sending that signal, and we all know it. And it's a bad joke to live with. It's a really bad joke, and it's a bad thing to do to people, as it is a bad thing to do to this country. It's not that hard to get rid of race in this country. You do it by getting rid of racism. And it's not that hard to get rid of racism in this country. You stop acting racist at the public levels and at the leadership levels. You just stop it. Just stop doing it. Stop doing it. Aaron is in Elgin. Hello, Aaron. Hi, Seth. Good example um, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, 
the Democratic Party in Phoenix had a taco truck night to have um, voter registration. And it was celebrated. And I'm thinking, can you imagine if the Republicans were to have a taco night to register Hispanic voters, a taco truck night, how racist we'd be called because, oh, oh, you think the Hispanics only eat tacos and go to taco trucks. Well, I don't know. I don't remember that one, but we all like tacos. I I don't don't know. We all like tacos. I don't don't, don't have anything wrong with it. I'm just saying the press would have jumped on a Republican for doing the same thing. You know, if the Republican Party in Arizona said we're going to have a – a taco truck site. I, I think it would have been stronger in another state. Arizona may not be the right state because the the culture of taco, you know, of Hispanic cuisine here is so prevalent. I I almost well, think, you Aaron, know, it might, I, I, you know, if you were in maybe maybe this argument in Chicago would be a little stronger than in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Although I don't know. Let's test it. You want to test it? Let's test it. Let's you and I, let's go that. test it. Let's go do a fundraiser. Let's go do a fundraiser for some Republican yeah, candidates and happens. do a food let's truck. See what the, yeah, let's, yeah. We'll test it. Okay. <laughs> I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. As we, yeah, we'll be right back. You, you know, there is something uh, additional to Aaron, the last caller I had on, that I wanted to mention because he's right about what the Arizona Senate Democrats at least do. And fall into this trap, you know. They put out a tweet during uh, the the the, pro- the BLM protests uh, in um, 2020 uh, with a quote from Akata Shakur, and the only thing I think they knew about Akata Shakur, I think I'm giving them credit here. Trust me when you hear the punchline. The only thing they knew about her was that she was a black woman. And so in their mind, here, let's quote something nice from a black woman. For those of us that knew who Akata Shakur was, she was a cop-killing member of the, of the FBI's most wanted list who has fled and left the jurisdiction for Cuba. Marxist revolutionary presently living in Cuba out of the U.S. reach, wanted on the FBI most wanted list for breaking out of jail for cop-killing. They just thought black woman good. And, of course, they were embarrassed by that. That's, Aaron, what we're talking about when you play these kinds of games. I'm giving them credit for thinking they didn't know who she was other than a black woman. If they did, so much more the shame. So much more the shame. Rob's in surprise. Hi, Rob. Hi, Seth. Uh, Hope you had a great weekend. I did. Um, Thank you. Great callers today. You know, it just makes me think about all the stuff everybody's talking about and and one of the things was i had to check my dog food uh, to make sure where it's manufactured and i i have uh, neutro actually and it's uh, they say it's uh, put together in the u.s but it's also manufactured in uh, several places in canada and taiwan and hong kong and but not china well yeah. i guess hong kong is yeah. part of china now yeah. uh, but anyway um i'm i'm just uh, I'm not going to change because they all like it. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. just, You've established just, uh, a safety uh, protocol with yeah. your animals and your food. All right. I won't make you change it. Bro. Yeah. Make it, it quick, my, buddy. Uh, i gotta, I got to move yeah. here. Make it quick, buddy. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I find that uh, Joe Biden has neither uh, uh, credibility nor does he command respect. 
And I look back on that uh, video he had with uh, at the White House with Barack Obama, yeah. where yeah. Barack was being fawned over and Joe was being totally ignored. Yeah. And he's the president of the United States, yep. or so we are told. Yeah. And it, it told me a lot about who's who's really running things and yeah. uh, why somebody is staying in Washington and not back in where their home yeah, is. Yeah, exactly anyway, right. Yeah. You're, you're exactly yeah. right, Rob. I mean, for those that say it's Obama's people who are running that White House and you look at, you know, whether it's Susan Rice or any of the retreads in the national security team. Well, yeah, their boss showed up last week and they fawned over him the way you fawn over a boss. And that boss wasn't Joe Biden. Another big, bad joke that we're all living through. The emperor, no clothes. But please say it. Please say it. Let's not just leave this to one little boy who's pointing this out, shall we? The stakes are way too high. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.